0: Hello, and welcome to the No Horse Bard Witchcraft Podcast. As ever, Mr. Chris is here and he's about to answer a question being put on the spot. So oh have you ever received a gift from a deity? Um, many. Okay. What was your favorite? Deity or gift or both?
1: <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about favourite deities. We did that one already. Okay. Um, favourite gift? Oh, that's that's difficult. Why would you do that to me? Well, um, so put you on the spot. <laughs> I've been gifted people. You've been gifted
0: people. Oh, come on! You can't say shit like this because it will get you into trouble, and it, we've got bad enough reputation as it is. What does that mean? Slaves. Are you saying modern slavery? Are you saying some ancient ancient gods and goddesses and such? They haven't updated with the times. They don't realize that slavery is not supposed to be a thing anymore. Is it a culture issue? No. Who said it's an issue? Well, I think general society nowadays, the laws and such. Right. I know you feel you're above the law.
1: But <laughs> i don't feel liam i am okay right (laughs) okay so uh could
0: you maybe explain let's not go for obviously all the children you have in the sweatshop in the basement let's go for something that's a little bit more uh you know
1: uh uh, legal let's say okay do you know what's really funny talking about sweatshops what? Um, my students, my students actually refer to my sessions as a sweatshop.
0: Well, of course they do. I can't believe you refer to them as students. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, student so... slave. I know it both stands, it starts with an air. You've just replaced <laughs> the word "slave" with "student," but they still don't count, Chris. It still don't count. I know you have to yeah. teach them before they're useful, but still.
1: Obviously, obviously, we teach like three-hour sessions. And in the middle of this three-hour session is like a fifteen-minute break, and about ninety oh, percent of fifteen minutes—that's sweet. 90 percent of my students don't take their break, and right. what, whenever someone asks them why aren't they taking their break, they refer to it as, "Well, this is the sweatshop. Chris That's doesn't so allow us to take breaks." <laughs> okay, stop! Stop digging
0: yourself a deeper pit. And tell oh, think me legal ways, legal ways in which a deity has gifted you a person. Okay, so this might be symbolically or something like that. So just go for some legal ones, right, first. Okay. And okay. If you want to name this the deity, then please, do.
1: So, I've had several deities put certain individuals in my path. Is that a better way to put it for you, Liam?
0: Well, do you consider them to be gifts, though? We did start with gifts, so what is this? <laughs> is, is it feeding your insatiable appetite?
1: Do they just Sometimes. feed men to you or something? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> um, but also useful people. Useful people oh. have arrived in the past when I have needed them. Well, they call it godsend, don't they? Yes. Godsend. You're a
0: godsend. Like someone yes. that knows how to change a tire or a wheel when someone's broken down yeah. on the end. Mine are of, just a little bit more literal. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, any physical objects or something? Obviously, people are physical objects because you objectify yeah. everyone. But any physical, uh, you know, non-moving items? Oh, okay. Gifted?
1: I've had all manner of... Uh, tree feathers all the kind of boring
0: you're not one of those people that you open the back door and there's some feathers on the fucking lawn and you think oh look it's a gift from the god or goddess or whatever or oh my great great grandma Eileen she's watching over me you're not one of these fucking new age idiots are you you know I'm definitely not is it a rare eagle's feather? Because if it's just some stupid pigeon feather,
1: I'm sorry. It's probably just one of your cats has attacked a pigeon. My latest one was from a red kite. Oh, oh, that looks fancy. That is a fancy one. Oh. So, yes, a bit more than um, someone, some new ager finding... Uh, little white feathers which you know but they also happen to have down pillows you know Mm. we're not talking about that we're talking about my first kite in probably 20 years Mm. that's slightly more different
0: so what would you say is the difference or can you can you distinguish between a deity giving a blessing and a deity giving a gift because I can see how people might use the terms interchangeably if you if something like for example you obviously it shows a lot about your personality and general psychology in that you look at someone that's been placed in front of you on your path in your life as A, you describe them as useful, and B, you describe them as a gift, as if you own them and they're yours. Many would say that that is a, if it did come from a deity, then that would be a blessing. They've blessed you. You know, they've not really given you the person. You do have to let them go. So what would you describe with the differences between a blessing and a a gift?
1: Okay. So for me, when I'm referring to these gifts, yeah, when I mean people, um, they normally have strange things that go alongside it. So, with those sorts of situations, they're normally having dreams about me, mm. um, those sorts of things where there is an uncomfortable for some people, yeah, um, interaction. So, that's a bit more than. Oh, I just had the blessing of this person who happens to be holding a wrench when my car broke down. Um, mm-hmm. Those, those are kind of those, I suppose you could call blessings um, or coincidence, is the other one people like to use there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm That's not a talking secular about gift, that gift, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. Coincidences <laughs> are
0: just secular blessings or secular gifts.
1: <laughs> Whereas what I'm talking about is when somebody has changed their lifestyle in order to arrive at, ah. at, in my presence shall we say which feels a bit more than just a, a friendly oh this person might be helpful it's more of a kind of here you go so that's a bit different but to to answer your question blessing slash um gift for me blessing would be an assist Mm. so that might be you know pointing you in the right direction you know tripping over it in the street kind of thing is more likely to be a blessing gift for me is normally i think people are far more aware of it i Mm. think deities tend to tell you that it was a gift. Mm. when you were given something so you know when people kind of like oh I've seen these signs I'm like okay is that a blessing someone's aware of you then they start turning up in their dreams or people start handing them literal gifts Mm. and I've had people do that where they've gone oh this necklace I thought would be nice for you or I was in the shop and i saw this candle like those sorts of ones where people have literally given you a gift mm-hmm. when it's out of character for that individual to do that um those are the ones that i would kind of go gift mm-hmm. where a blessing would be more kind of a favor has been given to me as a blessing so we look at things slightly differently then, because I consider a blessing
0: from a deity or a spirit spirit um, to be essentially an official statement that they're not going to get in my way. So we think of like old-fashioned ways, asking, uh, "What is it that you're supposed to do? You're supposed to ask the father of the bride for the for his daughter's hand in marriage, something like that." That's like yeah. an old. Thing, isn't it? I see it as a as a, uh, a blessing is giving your blessing. So a blessing is, no, Liam, I will not stand in your way, or yes, Liam, I endorse this. Like the whole yeah. thing, we got endorsed. I don't, think, I
1: don't think that's all different from what I just said.
0: A gift, on the other hand, is I see something that is being given or done by a deity or spirit that, is not expected to be paid for in any oh, way okay. shape or form so a gift is essentially that it going out of its way to do something good for me but not expecting a
1: gift is taxed
0: yeah which is what i wanted to get into now because the from what i see people that work with deities a lot of the time will fall into one of two categories the first category is the worshipper types so the ones that feel that they are so unworthy that they just get down on their knees and pray you know we could think of our good christian friends like that but we could also think of some idiot new agers that just buy plastic statues and light candles to it and really 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 want the goddess to protect them and such the lady snake types you know God, God and goddess protect me, all well, that sort of thing. I don't think they're getting much protection, mind you, but they are lighting candles to a statue, maybe something's feeding off it. So the first variety would be those that just worship for the sake of worshiping. Um, the second variety would be the ones that just approach and always want something. You know, the people that phone you up out of the blue And the only time they ever phone you up is when they're wanting something. And some of them are over and they actually say, oh, Liam, I really need you to do this for me. Oh, can you do this for me? And others are a bit more, which is the more annoying ones I tend to find, with the, oh, mate, we haven't seen you for ages. I haven't seen you for ages. Why don't you come over for a cup of tea? And then you go there for a cup of tea, five minutes in there, say, oh, can you just come and have a look at this? oh can you just you know it's like oh right okay false pretenses you knew before you were invited that you need to get me over there because you don't want to fucking ask and I'm seeing I see this mirrored with those that work with spirits and you can stereotype them you could stereotype them to the religious people being the worshippers and you can stereotype the um would-be witches and often ceremonial magicians as the I'm only knocking on the door or lighting up the sigil or tapping on the sigil if I want something right it's always about that but what you don't really I think hear that much about is a working relationship an actual working relationship most of the time when I see a lot of people from a quote-unquote a magical background or on a magical path they claim to have a working relationship with a deity and yet there isn't any working going on right I've met so many people that I've like oh okay you've got a working relationship with such and such deity let's pick one random one let's say Bridget okay (laughs) when's the last time you spoke to that spirit well, well, I don't really speak to her, I can't really hear her, I haven't really seen her, but we've had a couple of, like, she leaves me feathers, or she does this, or, or you know, I had the, such a bad time, I was in so much debt, and I was struggling today to pay the bills, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, great aunt Jemima, she came along and she bailed me out, it must have been the goddess working, it must have, right, this is what they class as a working relationship, but what? is qualified what, what is classed as the work I don't really know I don't really see a lot of fucking work being done now one thing that I would say about working relationships with deities and spirits is, that if it's a famous spirit in that is something that's known to people chances are it's known and associated with something or maybe even a myriad of different things the chances are that it's stereotyped as that is its work okay that is the the job that it likes to do that is in its remit like when you phone up a plumber to come and get some plumbing done it makes sense doesn't it you go to the plumber you wouldn't have that done don't get me wrong there is some carryover because right? the plumber's probably got a drill and whilst they're there they might turn up to you know redo your bathroom or change a tap or something but you might say look mate can you hang a picture on the wall you've got a drill i haven't got a drill can you just hang that picture or i'll give you some extra money now the working relationship is very different because we have this a lot in trade, like when I was a tradie, you don't really, unless it's a big job, tend to charge your colleagues and your friends for doing work around their house, right? What you intend to do is it's, it's kind of more give and take give and take but very informally so you know I've done lots of work for people before carpenters plumbers plasterers all that sort of thing and as long as it's small work I'll do it for free because they're friends they give me work you know is is how it's done right what I think really entails with a working relationship is that we have a working relationship you know multiple trades for example will band together do big jobs there might be a builder that might be running the main job but there might be that builder might be friends with electricians and plasters and plumbers and they all bump into each other on sites maybe even go to the pub socialize and such but that's a working relationship that's an actual working relationship and yeah when you are friendly with people and you're working towards common goals and the common goals generally speaking are working in construction to make the money isn't it when you translate that across to some of these magical relationships what is the work that you're doing because the spirit obviously has some sort of work that it does it are you Are you involving yourself with that? Are you assisting with that? Is the spirit deity working through you to accomplish something? And that's basically the most simplest form of priest or priestesshood, isn't it? (laughs) Feel free to disagree. Don't just shake your head or nod because they can't see. (laughs) The psychics will see, but the others won't. Not that there should be any mundanes listening to this, but one never knows. Oh, you always get one, don't you? And unfortunately, um, yes. Like rats, you're never too far away from one.
1: <laughs> so, it's um, it's a difficult one in the sense that um, I would argue that, yes, people have a tendency to misread the relationship they've got particularly when it Um, comes to deity work Um, obviously my relationship with particular deities is very different to your average person's Um, but that's that's complicated Um, when it comes to reading what that relationship is I think your analogy works in the sense that there are those people that you kind of class as work friends. Mm. It's very different to a colleague at work. Well, they're family, isn't there? Family.
0: That's a whole you know, level. whole other level that the mundanes won't understand. But we can go into
1: it in the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there's there's all that kind of, you know, there are certain perks that come with certain relationships. Um, and the relationship I have with the bin man um, is very different to the relationships that I have, say, with the cashier at the local shop that I go in regularly mm. versus somebody I work with versus someone that I actually spend time outside of work with um, is all different varying levels of service providers. Um, mm. And there are kind of certain levels of relationship that allow um this might be going off a little bit too off piste but um in that kind of there is an exercise that we do with students at work that talks about personal space so (laughs) so where you can literally that personal space is different for everybody
0: Mm. and what
1: you get the get them to do the wider you are (laughs)
0: <laughs> More personal
1: space. No, I am. Um, I mean.
0: thing.
1: Not what I mean. No, oh, okay. not at all. Highly inappropriate. All oh, right. Okay. Um, you're not on the Patreon yet. You can't start calling people fatties. I never um, did. I
0: never named the names, Chris. I never named
1: names. So with this exercise, what you get people to do is with chalk, draw circles around themselves, and say. This is what I consider to be my space, my personal intimate space. And then you kind of draw the next circle out, which says, This is the space which I will allow people I like in. And then they draw a third circle of where they feel the public and people they don't know should be. Ooh. And depending on where that, though, what the relationship with that person is, will allow a reasonable where there are comfortable with people being um and i think the same is kind of true of what you would call friends and Mm -hmm. family and those that would be on those levels of well i like the bin man but i wouldn't necessarily invite him in for tea Mm. um do you know what i mean like i appreciate the job that he does but we're not that friendly then it might be you know, um, I'm happy to tip the individual, but I'm not going to invite them in for tea. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's that kind of relationship. And then you kind of go with the, you know, that that cashier at the, your local cafe that you go in every morning to buy your coffee. Again, there is a transactional relationship. You're nice, you're friendly, but again, you're not likely to invite them back home for a cup of tea. Yeah. Um, Whereas there'll be colleagues that you wouldn't even tell where where you live to, and yet there are other colleagues that you've probably shared a bed with at some point. I mean, non-sexually, Liam. Before you go <sighs> off, is that you've woken up drunkenly next to them with a bag this of chips between lot, the two of you? This, this happened yeah. a lot. At
0: school. <laughs> Waking <laughs> up in bed with other teachers. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Right, so that's
0: really interesting. So I think I already know this although I've never given it any thought. So if if I stand, right, if I stand up straight and tall and I put my hands out to the sides so make like a crucifix. Yeah. From where my body is to where my elbow would go. Yeah. That to me is personal space. So, personal space goes from elbow to body, right? So, if my hands are straight out, the next level would be where the reach is. So, that would be fingertips, Hmm. right? So, I would have my personal space as if my hands are straight out to my side, stood up like a cross. Okay. Where my elbow is in close, that's personal space, and I don't want anywhere.
1: Okay, so that's what we would call
0: intimate space. Intimate space, right. That's your so intimate the next,
1: space. The
0: next level would be where I would have friends and family and such. Which personal would be personal space. Would, which would be between um, elbows and fingertips. I'm fine with them going there, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. And then general public, because I'm six foot one. I would want six foot one away from my body. So basically centre of mass, centre of gravity. Six (laughs) foot one inch away from the winky, okay, basically, is what I want for the public. Okay, Is that normal? And should that be the standard that we adopt in general culture?
1: I think generally speaking, that probably is the standard. Good. I'm not unusual then in that case. Whereas mine's probably even closer than that. Mine would probably say, people I am close with, um, and I'm, you know, I mean, like, friends, family, etc. I am happy being within that uh, uh, elbow space that you're referring to. Mm. Like, because I'm quite a tactile person, so I'm quite happy with people hugging me, oh, um, no. you know, that sort of thing. So where where my kind of personal space is after that. So the people I'm friendly with but not necessarily close with would be in that second space. But the public, I still generally want at at least a metre and a half away.
0: So where is the intimate space then? Is that just, is it just a case of taking off clothes at that point? Is it so close that it's basically fabric depth? Yeah. essentially right, okay so like friends family it's okay for them to touch you and be really close to you as long as your clothes are on pretty the much next level would be clothes off that would be super intimacy pretty much
1: bad, very interesting because that really... space is fairly interchangeable for me mm. um you know and you kind of have to be aware of where that comfortable space is like someone could be stood literally behind me at mm. kind of a few inches away And I wouldn't feel uncomfortable Mm. Um, like having because that's what we talk about it kind of with the kinds of students we work with. We're talking about how comfortable is that space? Someone, you know, how how comfortable are you with them being close to you Mm. and just kind of having them aware of what that space is. But also, you know, when you then transfer that to a magical sense when you talk about kind of where that astral space is how far does that reach for you or is that then more intimate than some of your other senses so because like some people would probably hold their astral quite close to them whereas other Mm. people it's really far out particularly if you've got autism a lot of a lot of those have got astral that is they're in the walls they're in yeah. they're in the ground they're everywhere around you and that's where their awareness is mm. um so yeah but i think it's it really depends so to get it back to deity i got one
0: more question i got oh. one more i got one mundane question then we can bring it back to actual magical practices one of my robot lessons right Is something that i've thought about of recent because i had a uh incident um An incident so an incident right um we don't need to go into that but there was an incident right and I might I might have said something as I usually do (laughs) but let's go with this right at what point should I be able to smell someone right (laughs) so if they're wearing if they're wearing not like a bio smell or anything like that because that's a given that that's probably not great right but in terms of if someone's wearing aftershave or a perfume or something like that how close do you think you should be to someone to be able to smell that because there's people that like put a lot on and they like when they walk into a room you can smell them and i find that very strange i don't think that's right but then that's like a given for a lot of people they just like do that whereas i think like you should only be able to smell someone if you are physically touching them really so if you're close enough to touch someone because if you hold out an outstretched hand and move over to someone and then touch um, them okay then that would be acceptable in terms of like you would probably pick up on their smell you know if they've got if they're smelly or if they've got like a nice smell on or something like that is that normal or is that not normal have I got that wrong
1: no, I, I think the way that you've explained it that makes that makes some sense. You, if you were if you were at an arm's length from me, you would normally mm. be able to smell my aftershave. But that's yeah. because I it don't would wear be like any more sh- than that. Should it? It shouldn't be more. I than don't. That. I don't wear any cheap shit. Um, no. But no, there are some people that you walk into a room and you can smell them.
0: Is um, what
1: thing? this this waft thing of when people walk into a room and then it
0: wafts through the room or when people walk past and then you get a massive trowel but the thing is it don't go it like stays there's this one oh, girl they're wearing to too much. there's this one wor- woman i used to work with who used to wear this aftershave uh, aftershave perfume called angel and apparently i think it was quite expensive so she said Yeah, You could smell it before she was even in the room. And if she just walked past you, that sickly smell would just stay there. (laughs) It would just stay there, like nicotine-stained fucking cushions, right? It didn't smell like that, obviously. It smelled a lot nicer, but it was, like, too much. And I don't really get it. But anyway, that's it for the regular edition of the No Horse Barred Witchcraft podcast. If you go on the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon then you will be able to listen to the extended edition of this show and in the extended edition of this show we are going to talk about some stuff I'm going to currently make up I'm going to have to make a list so that then we actually talk about it but we're going to talk about gifts from spirits and deities we're going to talk a little bit about um what else are we going to talk about Chris we're going to talk about this relationship that these people that always go a-begging from a yeah. spirit is that really a working relationship no i don't know either way we're going to talk about gifts and re- relating them to spirits and other magical practitioners there we go right there is this common feeling is an unwritten rule right and that is that if a magical practitioner like a witch or something gives you a gift you should return one, you should give one back. Because there's some sort of, and I've noticed this amongst a bunch of witches and that, there's some kind of unwritten rule or slash minor phobia of if a witch gives you something, you're indebted to the witch in some way, shape or form, therefore you owe them something.
1: What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. I think gift giving between friends is standard regardless of whether or not you you'd never expected to give one in return um or at least you shouldn't otherwise you it wasn't a gift is my opinion on that mm. so get getting a gift from a um i do you know always be aware of um trojans giving gifts but the um greeks bearing gifts nah. isn't it is the true one but i don't trust bearing, either. Yeah. um but you know there is that kind of part of when a gift is out of the blue so you know um across my palm with silver, pretty here's here's some lucky heather um that kind of relationship where you don't know that which then yes i would kind of say you would want to pass on the gift that was given. Um, But I don't know. I don't know if there is a kind of tete-a-tete, a kind of explet... I don't know. Do you really think there's a genuine gift should be met with a gift?
0: I've had this conversation with a bunch of witches, right, and they're normally of the old school variety and they always make jokes, particularly about oh if someone's given you a gift or you've got a gift from a witch or something like that then they feel oh I better give them something back you know because and I don't know where this send from I would think it's probably more superstition but I mean being in Britain it might be more of a manners thing because bad manners to just take 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 but at the same time you're not really take take taking if you're getting given shit like think of how many people get mailed like celebrities and that gets sent crap they don't want or need (laughs) you know it's like well what's up with that you know but i mean it, it is just something that i thought i'd bring up because i have heard people not really freak out but be a bit wary when another practitioner gives them a gift and it's not like someone that they necessarily are really friendly with but at the same time how do you get friendly with people well, you know, when you start being friends with people, you're probably more than likely to think about them, to know them, and you might enter their faults. So, if you know someone grows a particular plant or something like that, and they've got an abundance of it, they might say, "Would you like some?" or they might just package some up and give you some because they think or know you so well that they know "Oh, you like this? I don't even need to ask. You're you're gonna want some." Here you go here's a gift, that kind
1: of thing. But some people
0: freak out over it. I just wondered what your take
1: was. No, I, no, I quite, I quite regularly give people gifts in that sense. But there's um, no sinister intent. No, you don't give it
0: to them. No, thinking, there's no. Oh, look, I, I was brought
1: up right, Liam, and I was told you never give to receive. But one could
0: do that in terms of contract and magically speaking, one could actually yes. give
1: someone but something. Not, then normally i you know me i'm not very underhanded about things like that i would make it quite clear accept this gift and i will be coming a calling like i feel Mm. like that has to be terms and conditions like that need to be voiced i don't Mm. think you can i don't think you can assume there is a contract in place there which is what i think going back to the start of this that's where i find very strange in the kind of deity relationship with people where there is this natural assumption that accepting a gift is therefore some kind of binding contract. Mm. Um, now I'm sorry, but if you haven't had a conversation about that um, with that deity to agree to such a thing um, or granted, if you were begging for something and something mm. arrived, that is very different Um You know, I would just naturally assume if you were begging um, and you don't have an existing relationship, then, yes, that's likely to come with strings. Um, But if you were actually mutually beneficial place and you were given a gift, I would consider that exactly that a gift, um, not a contract negotiation space. But I I think a lot of people get the, you know, wires crossed and then knickers in a bunch over this concept um if i you know the same as if i really wanted something and it it arrived Mm. i would see that as a gift unless i was begging um not that i ever beg but you know there is that kind of point of if you were begging for it and it arrived assume there are strings um
0: Primarily, the thing to remember is what is the biggest, most powerful thing in the room? Because that is what (laughs) makes the decisions at the end of the day, because that's what can enforce it. If Big Bubba says, you, I like the looks of you, you looked at me, that means you're mine, and decides to make you his pet, Big Bubba's pet, because you entered into a contract just by merely looking, apparently, um, Big Bubba's going to enforce that contract theory. Fuck all you're going to do about it, right? Mm. <laughs> but So primarily, I would say, number one, first thing, is that contract, it doesn't really matter whether you've entered it or not. If something <laughs> can force yeah. you or is powerful enough to kind of force you into something, then they're going to do it because of repercussions. Second thing, and I put this on at the end of that, is that just because you have the power to go around breaking contracts and fend your, fend, defend yourself or fend off enemies, remember there is such a thing as honor and there is reputation as well, which echoes into the ethers, into the magical world. So if you are the type to go back on contracts and deals and such like that all of the time It does affect your metaphysical street credit i would say and your honor to a certain extent so don't be one of those people (laughs) okay so next gifts do you think that deities because we started with deities give gifts to humans and people in the form of magical abilities whether it's psychic abilities or powers or something like that, would you say that those would be legitimate gifts from spirits or do you think that there's something more complicated going on? Um,
1: It's not out of bounds to say that that isn't possible. Mm. There are many, as we are very aware Liam, there are many who will have chased down and been received those things as gifts. Um, who have seeked it as a shortcut to actually developing themselves. Mm. Um, but generally speaking, I can't think off the top of my head of many deities that would actually openly go giving that, mm. um, with the exception of being able to see or interact with that specific deity. So, you mm. know, if a deity is a really that, that eager. Um,
0: They'll give you their phone number, basically. You
1: know. A direct link. But that that is beyond that. Um, mm. And I think that's where some people get confused, particularly from a psychic level, you know, mm. the non-kind of magical practitioner, um, is that when they've got this direct link, they foresee that as psychic gift as a whole mm. and often some of them have only got the link to one thing um which might be you know particular dead relative or an angel of some kind you know those sorts of things um, where they've got an established link with a very small group of individuals or one masquerading as many um is very different Mm. I, I don't know it's it's one of those because i struggle with the word gift mm. when we're talking about that because that suggests that you haven't put any work in you may not have necessarily oh, put the work in this term that's the but, thing isn't it
0: people
1: you know? me,
0: i think that some beginners out there their workings out in their mind is oh i want let's pick psychic ability let's pick something like the ability to see the future or the ability to read to past present and future lives for example they think well there is a god or goddess that's associated with that I'll petition them I'll ask them to grant me that ability right and they think that it would be a gift from that god goddess to, 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 to bestow on the person and that's a little bit like you hear with Christians sometimes certainly some of the evangelical kinds which talk about The gift of being able to speak in tongues and stuff like that. They see that as a gift from God, for example. In reality, I think if you do have a deity or a spirit, it's not in reality a gift at all. What it is, is they're training you. They're assisting in the training. They're assisting in you gaining that ability. But when you gain that ability, you owe them no more or less than you owe your teacher at school for teaching you how to read and write. Right, because a, the teacher's job is to teach you to fucking read and write, right? Yeah. And b, you put the effort in to learn. There was a alchemical transmutation of sorts from a magical perspective, or there was actual, you know, studying and an actual you had to put some effort in, right? So that's the important. it's not really necessarily going to be a download, okay? Which is what these expect. They expect to do some of these rituals like i've seen these rituals like they've got in the witch's bible to complete oh you do this ritual god and goddess in the circle type thing to get the hashtag get the site and it's like you're supposed to wake up the following day and all of a sudden you're super psychic or something it's bullshit it's not right they are more like trainers or teachers generally speaking you're not going to get gifts in the form of psychic abilities and magical powers and stuff by just being bestowed upon them if you did have that it's more than likely i don't know if you'd agree it's more than likely would have happened from birth so it may be more of a demigod type situation
1: yeah uh, i think that's
0: fair and that's no different than inheriting a mantle or title genetic you know genetic predispositions from your mother or your father or something like that you know it's just on an energetic level from us from a spirit or a deity Um, um, okay so where else are we going to go with this what about approaching high level spirits deities powerful things because there are things far beyond deities trying to approach those and how you would see because I think we've discussed this before but it's always good to you know rehash this and who knows we might have changed our minds or something I doubt it but there we go what about beginners what is a healthy way for them to approach spirits and deities to form a working relationship for example they want to go about things the right way they don't just want to dial something up in the grimoire because it, they say that it does this or does that they want to actually start to put together that little team of tradespeople so that they can go and uh, do fixed wrappers and houses and put them on the market that's sort where of I shit, right how does one build that team as a beginner that hasn't had that necessarily oh, I've been seeing the spirits and grandma and
1: granddad or all around me type shit. Hmm. Any thoughts? The, um, the most natural way and the most long standing way to do it would be to actually do the work. Hmm. Um, doing the work will normally attract the individuals who oversee such work. So, you know, if you're working hard at psychic ability it is likely that individuals that can help you with that will take notice when you're doing the work um the same as the you you know these kind of death dealer types the more kind of necromancy and the more kind of work they do in that kind of saturnine realm the more people uh, of that ilk will be drawn to them um you start playing in someone's you know same way in business you start messing around in someone else's playground, suddenly that they will be noticing you. Mm. Um, you know, and then it's you're going through a headhunted kind mm-hmm. of situation, which is always the better deal to have, is that somebody wanted you is always a better a better negotiation point than trying desperately to, you know, get Big Bubba to notice you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, by wearing revealing clothing you know that isn't necessarily the best way um even for the venusian energies to take notice um you know it's more about that you you start carving a name out for yourself you will be noticed um i think people most people want it the other way around don't they they want to be noticed and therefore get better at something mm-hmm. um because they want to inherit the kingdom rather than earn the kingdom yeah but
0: okay.
1: so the, there's two points
0: that i'd make or two ways of looking at that i would think and i'm going to try and link it to the mundane world um first one is you've got to think about being forced into a situation so when you start a new job and you work in an office, say, Because we know there's a lot of office bitches out there in the world, in the Western world. Um, You're forced into working in that environment, in that office, and there's only so many people that you're sat around. So they are in your vicinity already. So you may rub up against a couple of them and take a disliking to some of them, or you may start to have communication and stuff but the point is is they're in your vicinity the only reason why you're really friends and you'll start being colleagues really first the only reason why your friends or would consider them to be a work friend is because you have that job so because you are in that situation now I'd equate that to if you lived in a haunted house for example or there's a spirit of the land or something like that something that's always in the vicinity you're going to bump into and you're either going to get on you're not gonna get on or you're gonna ignore each other completely. That would be the first point, I would think. Possibly try capitalizing on stuff that is already around you. Second point, which is the more important one, is how does one make friends in general? A lot of the time, unless you're some sort of weirdo, you're probably not gonna wake up one morning and decide today I'm going to make a new friend. In reality, what you need to think about with friends is normally you have something in common. So at the uh, soft play area at the church that I used to go to, Castaways, the soft play area, there would be a lot of child minders, right, that would take kids there that they look after during the day and they would meet up and they'd be able to identify cause they'd all have five or 10 children each and they'd turn up so it wasn't like their kids but they'd look and they'd notice they'd see the signs and they'd nod and they'd say, oh, you know, they talk about, normally talk about how shit Ofsted is and such, but they'd strike up a conversation based on a common theme, right? What you were saying about spirits and seeking out spirits that have a common theme what would make the most sense is that if you say you were a blacksmith, that's your trade and that's you know a hobby or something like that. So you're a blacksmith, and there are deities and spirits related to that art, Wayland the Smith, for example, what you could do is you could think, well, wait a minute, we will bump into each other, or he is like me, I'm a blacksmith, he's a blacksmith, you now gotta work, you know. What I think you would be better off doing is that blacksmith would probably create some sort of invitation or a declaration in invitation to Wayland Smith. You can't just start up a blacksmith forge and expect Wayland to pop up. Would he? Potentially, but you can't guarantee that. However, what you could do is you go about doing your work and put a formal invitation for the spirit wayland the smith to come to your forge to use your forge and invite him into your working space i would say if you were worked in a library so you didn't own the library but you're a librarian right how could you do that well could you invite thoth into that space thoth might be aware of the library might be aware of you but is associated you can even look that up in books although I don't necessarily tend to uh, go to that as the first port of call first thing I would do is I try to evoke the spirit of that library first rather than just look up spirits associated with writing and knowledge and you know that sort of thing I would try working locally first but secondly if I'm out of luck there inviting something and then it can choose to come or, or not. It can choose whether it wants to, you know, go with the invite, like being invited to someone's wedding or something like that. It might RSVP or it might just fucking show up. That would be, I'd say, quite healthy. Now, what people would be asking is, this is what I'd say is, oh, but I want to work with this spirit or I want to work with that spirit because I really like it. And it's like working relationships. Why do you like that spirit? If you feel a connection to that spirit, that's just not good enough to get his attention. You need to offer it something, not in the form of getting a steak or some incense and lighting it and lighting a fucking candle or something, not like that. You need to remember that you are both instruments for each other to go about doing their work. That's why I said blacksmith, invite a blacksmith spirit into your blacksmith forge. What might happen then is it might move in, it might start helping, it might start to, you might start to notice, you know, your blacksmith starts getting haunted. Crazy as shit happens, you know, but that makes sense. You know, think about you personally, what are your hobbies, interests, strengths, weaknesses, profession, crafts what can you do what do you do are you a tarot reader do you do psychic work what about inviting a spirit as counsel to read with you for example if you were for example a plumber because we've said about plumbers before why don't you invite a water related spirit or you might want to get rid of some of them, particularly plumbing and leaks, those fucking little water sprites,
1: not really mm. good. Not good for business. In that
0: case, that might be a dangerous thing to invite.
1: <laughs> Unless you're inviting them to other people's houses, in which case, not. more you invite them
0: to a neighborhood <laughs> and then strategically drop off your flyers and look at all of the work that's coming in, because right when you dropped off your flyers, after you evoked all those little water nymph fucking cretins the whole street needs lots of work and you make lots of work i'd never do such a thing it would be completely um it's like those people that own double glazing companies window double glazing companies and they pay the local kids to go and smash fresh stones through people's windows and then flyer the area afterwards put all their flyers out yeah I know, uh, I can't name the company that used to do that, but there was a company in Bristol that used to do that. I don't know if they still do. Right, we got less than 10 minutes left. Where do you wanna go? Have we missed anything? We've given a better way of working with spirits. Um, have you ever received a gift from a spirit and you've given it back? And do they come with a receipt? How does one re-gift? Can you re-gift a gift from a spirit?
1: i have re-gifted gifts oh so handing them on to somebody else going i think this might be for you uh... were, were you sure it was for them or did
0: you just not like the gift because obviously we see this all the time with practitioners will pick up things or they'll be given things or things you know we work as mediums between spirit world and the mundane world i've been given stuff that it becomes very apparent that it was never really for me i've just kept it until the bright person comes along you know but what (laughs) i'm talking about have you been gifted something you thought ah fuck no thanks
1: (laughs) probably but unintentionally i don't think i've ever returned to sender um on something I may so
0: ignore. You wouldn't reject it. You'd take it on board and move it along.
1: i think ag- I've ignored gifts before, ah. um, as in kind of like, oh well, that's clearly for me, but I'm not having it. Um, okay. Sometimes I've regretted it later, not because the, uh, the not because anything bad happened, but because it could have been useful for something else. Um well. And if you
0: do ignore it then, like you ignored it then, does the spirit in question, are they guaranteed to snuff you and just say, oh, I'll snub you off and say, I've I'm I'm never given him anything again? Normally. People worry about this. You know people will actually start to worry. about will oh, if I got given a thing, I, I, I don't want to, I'll have to take it because I don't want them to not work with me and get upset and stuff. You know there's people thinking that.
1: Normally they would be from spirits that don't work with me anyway. So normally it's introductory kind of gifts. And sometimes when I've we kind of snubbed them, I've actually had the gift come uh, bigger gifts come, if that makes sense oh. um, more blatant gifts, shall we say I like um, a few years ago, I had the morrigan sniffing around me for quite some time before I kind of decided, Oh, maybe that's a relationship I'd like to foster. Uh-huh. Um, like do you know what i mean like where you kind of like mm, i'm not sure about that um so not sure it's the gifts, right time
0: would you consider those gifts to be gifts or would you consider them more to be calling cards so
1: like an i invitation. suppose yes you could consider them calling cards it's probably a good way to put it um yeah stuff like that really where things have been left and i've kind of gone mm, i'm not sure i want to take that mm-hmm. um I've also avoided gifts where there's been blatant strings. Right. You know, and you can just kind of see the strings already there. Well, and you kind of like, I ain't taking that. So there's um, this like
0: a trap then, like bait. Because the, the next thing people will be worried about is that, oh no, how do I distinguish? Chris, you never, you ended the podcast before you told me how to distinguish. <laughs> you know, it's like, have you got a story there for the class
1: or not? Um, not really. I'd, well not one they'd understand so maybe okay. the best way to kind of put it would be to say um you've got two choices really you can either just assume they're always uh strings which mm. is where you know where I we did. started with this <laughs> um with this podcast of which is just assuming yeah um you know um greeks bearing gifts kind of situation or you can kind of consider that actually do you want to find out? I kind I'm of the feeling that if they've given the gift once, it is likely that the gift will come again, in the sense that if they really wanted that relationship, or that relationship is because this is the other thing we I guess we haven't covered, is kind of like where a gift is a reminder of a previous relationship mm. um and i know that's a tricky one for some people to kind of wrap their head around
0: it's very it's, simple it's very simple know? i'll tell you exactly how you wrap your head around this you sign up to something and it wants to give you a free video or a free products or something like that in exchange for your email address right that's fine you do that and then a couple of months go down the road and you get another email and then another email saying, oh, remember me? Oh, remember this? I noticed you haven't got back to me, bloody blah, blah, blah. The only difference is that that email that you get in your inbox a couple of months down the road, you've forgotten about giving your email address in the first place because that was in a different life. Hmm.
1: <laughs> That's how I would think about it anyway. Yeah. And so really, it's about kind of person to person. What do you actually want? spring the trap guys just spring the trap
0: i mean what's the worst that could happen yeah (laughs) okay last thing um might just be a yes or no question actually um have you ever given a spirit or deity a gift
1: yes but i probably give them more regularly than you would imagine um but that's less out of a devotional point of view and more out of a, oh, I thought you'd like this. But that's because I'm that sort of person. You do that with humans as well, though, don't yeah. you? Yeah. a personality thing. It's just a personality thing. So it's like, oh, um, that that's a nice thing for such and such. So it's not really um, an offering necessarily or sacrifice yeah.
0: or on a plate. It's
1: just... Because I'm not... What you... Well, you you know, it's probably one of the few things you do like about me. I'm not the sort of person that gets all hung up on birthdays and special Mm. occasions. Um, So if I like something and I want to give you a gift, I'm going to give you the gift. I'm Mm. not going to wait for a special day or, you know, it's kind of like, here you go. Nice thing. I thought you might like, Um, what's the occasion. There is no occasion. I just saw something I thought you would like. Mm. Um, And I know most people aren't like that. But those same people are the sorts of people that get pissy when you forget birthdays. Um... I I hate it. I tell you what I hate.
0: It's a family thing as well. It's one of the reasons why I hate Christmases and birthdays. One of, there's multiple reasons. But one of the reasons I hate is that I will go so far out of my way to help someone. Maybe some of the older members of my family. I'll go and I'll help them with odd jobs around the house, I'll go and I'll help them take them out, I'll pay for dinner, I'll buy them little treats and things like that. As soon as a birthday or Christmas comes along, the people that haven't bothered with them at all for the entire year spend £10 buying some stupid little piece of shit, give it to them, Liam don't buy them anything and it's oh! Such and such loves me so much. Oh, Kylie, she loves me so much. It's like, wait a minute. I'm the one that's actually putting the time in here. I'm the one that's fucking sacrificing my weekends to come. But where and the
1: fuck Kylie when you needed to go to that appointment? Exactly.
0: When when where where are these people when you actually fucking need them that actually contribute to your life? And you're saying because I didn't buy spend ten pounds or some bullshit that was clearly oh, no, one of those, those fucking deals as well, or possibly even a re gift. She bought three of the same fucking thing for a tenner or something, gave one to you, gave one to Nan and gave one to Grandad. You know, it's obvious. I don't get it. I hate it. I've got a chip on my shoulder because of that. But anyway, that's it for this edition of the No Horse Bar Witchcraft podcast. Everyone, if you're going to remember something from this podcast, remember this. Spring the trap.